Okay, here we are on Leash Plus. We have Ken still in the studio, Brent, as always. Okay, I've got one question. Uh, who had the more difficult training camp, the Colts or the Broncos? Uh, both of them were difficult because it was a different time in the late 80s. You know, as they talk about now with the new collective bargaining agreements, my understanding is they'll go through much of a practice without a lot of contact. So, good. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut we, you off. Uh, both the Colts and the Broncos had two-a-day full contact practices six days a week. He had Sunday morning off, um, but came in and practiced Sunday evening. So, I, I would have to say the Broncos, though, were probably the hardest because while the practices weren't harder, uh, you know, 6,000 feet elevation. elevation in Greeley, Colorado, it's no joke. So the the Anderson uh, training camp was it at AU at that time? Yes. So how how weird was that? I mean, that's back to your home turf. Yeah, it wasn't weird. It was actually it was actually comfortable. I mean, at least I you know all these other people have moved in, and and so it all looked completely different. But it at least was an environment that I was yeah that I was very familiar and comfortable with. And I got to be honest with you, I was with the Colts then too. I was working security. There you go. <laughs> yeah. True story. Hey, oh, I would be the guy. You know, I would be you know a night shift going around, the, and these guys would be taking little pebbles and putting them in the doors so they could be sneaking women and stuff in at night. So my job was to make sure all the doors were good and that they were going to be safe and protected. And yeah, I have no knowledge of anything you're talking about. <laughs> right, big bad me. You know, there I was. There I was. Oh man. So. For you guys that are, you know, with Unleashed Plus, um, man, send us send us some questions sometimes that you'd like to be able to tackle, you know, after the, you know, the after the mic's been shut off, after we're done recording the original podcast. Um, Ken, what's something like near and dear to your heart right now when you think about like what we're kind of doing here in your life right now? Um, what is what is a great topic that, that would be something you go, man, I am passionate about this. Look, I wish I could give you something exciting, but maybe here's the takeaway. This is how a life submitted to God can be transformed. Because I've said to my son and to others, I've become my father. And what's interesting about that is my father was one of the most God-fearing, devout men I have ever known in my life. And I used to to joke with people I could joke with about this, that I'm adopted. And the fact that his DNA and my DNA are different was very obvious because right. my father was not the person that was going to bring me to the Lord. He, I don't think he could relate to me. And I certainly couldn't relate to him in a number of ways. I mean, keep in mind, this is a man who... Never smoked, never drank, uh, was loyal to my mother and the only woman he'd ever been with, and said one swear word in his life. He said, damn. And that was when he was in the Marine Corps in boot camp, like back in the, what, 40s, 50s? Yeah, yeah, 50s. And then apologized to the entire platoon of men that hurt him. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I come from a family of pastors, and my dad was a lay worship leader. That's that's who my dad was. My mom was one better. She never swore. <laughs> now, right, 
you know my DNA. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, which one of these is different than the others? You know, I, I was different. And so my dad wasn't that, that person who was going to, to be able to do that. But uh, other, God brought other people into my life, flawed people that helped to transform me. And I've now become one of those people that I sincerely, I, I, and I mean this, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. That's it. And, it, and, and for, for people who would have known me through high school and college and up into my 30s and 40s, they, that, this wouldn't make sense to them. It wasn't the person they knew. Yeah. That's a life transformed. Yep. Oh, I'm sitting here. I was, you know, listening to your story and, and all these different things and looking at my own life. It's, there's that one theme that seems to be going on with all this stuff. And it's that, how can I become someone with my life? And what is it that, you know, when the disciples, you know, when they're trying to figure out who's going to be the best and, you know, who's going to be at his right hand or whatever, who's going to be sitting by his side. And, you know, his response coming back to that is, you know, is, is pretty telling. You know, if I can be the least of these, where it's a sacrificial love. I made a post on social media. I think it was two days ago. It was something about without sacrificial love, life has no meaning. And when I was a young man trying to figure out what I thought I should be or would have, it wasn't sacrificial love. It was like you said. It was all about me. Mm -hmm. And you don't know it at the time. You can't see it. Yeah, you can't. And you would always go back and go, man, if there's one thing, I, the question about the young man, what would you say for someone getting married? Um, the, here's my, the only thing I can think of is this is um, just keep seeking God. Keep seeking God because you, you don't become humble on yourself. You said it a minute ago. It's an external change that changes that within us. Um, to love your wife more, there's a, 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 something we used to always say. If you want to love like God does, we always say, well, love more and need less. But really, God loved more and needed nothing in return. Mm -hmm. And I realized I can't do that. I want to with everything I'm in, but I, it's not that I don't want to. I find myself in a moment going, well, I did this for you. Then you should be doing this for me. Brett, none of us can do this. Oh, none and of us it can eats do you it. up. And, and, and I, I was listening to a thing the other night. The guy goes, listen, at the end of your life, was it worth it that you got into a fight with your wife about this? Really, that it blew up a whole weekend or it blew up a marriage or whatever those things are. If we could go forward and look back at our lives and see how the course of some things changed because we got needy. We didn't give all of ourselves to Christ. And again, we are human. I get that. Um, but I do know that I have Christ within me. That's my superpower. And when I screw up and I mess up, one of the best things that I can do with my wife is to, in humility go to her and say, not, not what she did wrong, not bring up, well, you did this, and that's why I did that. It's walking up and saying, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And what is it they say when you point one finger at someone that you got three pointing back at yourself? Um, and what's the other one about, you know, when you assume something, you make an ass of you and me, that's that whole thing with that. And if I can, if I can learn and stay in, Christ in me is my one true identity. If Christ in me is my identity, do I have to be needy? No, I have everything I'll ever need. Do I need to look at another woman? No, she'll never complete me. Sorry, Jerry Maguire. Um, when you look at all these things, the more I can stay on track 
with my identity. I've said it before, identity, identity, identity. The less I'm going to be needing and the more I can give. And that's the sacrificial love. And that's what changes me. Right. Yeah. Anything you want to add to that? That's your area of expertise. For me, <laughs> I, just, I, I, I just know that, that my struggle um, is, is to be less, right? Because I still have pride. You still yeah. have, you know, you, but both from a selfish perspective, I, I now have been completely convinced that I can do nothing of real value in this world outside of God. I, I can't tried okay and so i want god on my side yep well how do you do that you submit your life to him and i will tell you for all the things that we've talked about right i've done you know we we didn't get much into it but i i've, I've been i've been in a jiu-jitsu mat with some of the best fighters in the world humbling experience but but <laughs> yeah. I, you know i've i've done a lot of stuff hardest thing i've ever done not close was learning to submit my will to God. The hardest thing I've ever done. It has become the most valuable when God reveals himself and, and you, can, you can become amazed by the revelation of what that looks like. But it's still a very difficult process. And, and anybody who tells somebody that it isn't, especially for men maybe listening to this that are alpha males, strong males, especially alpha strong males who have been successful, right? Um, learning to submit your life to things you don't necessarily completely understand, don't understand why they're happening, can't see the purpose in, don't see, can't see the future in, you're not in control of. That's a really hard thing to do. And to, to be a disciple, or in your terminology here, to be a warrior, that's what it requires. And that's the life that I've chosen now, that I, uh, while I have hard days, wouldn't, wouldn't do anything else. I can remember sitting on the porch with you in Colorado, and this was a few years ago, it was one of your businesses, and there was some issue going on. I think there might have been some drugs and need for money or jail money, bail, whatever it was. And, you know, we're all sitting there cutting up, and you're over there on the phone, and you're, you're really trying to, to help these people get through a tough time. And these are some of the people that many people will go, you know what, quit. And especially if someone's an addict, right? They say, how do you know when an addict's lying when they open their mouth? But the one thing I love about you is you have good, firm boundaries. You're going to have someone to work for it, but you're going to allow them to. You're going to give them that opportunity to, to step up and do that, which in a way is a form of love. Because when we step up and we, we work, we do something, we feel better about ourselves. Brent, I can tell you that part of the process of God revealing my inadequacy and my and brokenness, uh, I have had a couple of occasions where I needed far more than I've ever done for anybody else. And God brought specific people into my life that I was undeserving for the help they gave. How, how can you experience that and not be willing to do that for others? And so, yeah, what you saw is it's an, it's a, it becomes a, I don't want to make it, I'll call it a regular part of my role in my two companies. Um, 
but how do you not? Because that's the hands and feet of Christ. And I got to experience that through others. And, and that left an indelible mark on me. Um, that's part of the redemptive process that, that God will use one day. And that's one of the ways he chooses to use me now. Yeah, the whole thing, of I have to become less so he can become more. Right. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for, for being with us. I mean, we're just sitting around right now really talking about the hard, the real stuff. You know, and, and here's what, just for fun, this is the thought that's sitting here going through my head right now. You know, I've been kind of, because I'm, I'm excited to have you here, a friend, I get to, you know, hang out with a buddy and do this kind of stuff. And, you know, when, you, when you're doing, a, even hosting a show or doing something like this, you're trying to, you're th- your mind's kind of going ahead, trying to think, where do I go next? What do I say? I play on it. It's, it's like multitasking at the same time. And what that can do with me sometimes is it kind of numbs the sensitive side because I'm focused on making sure that we get some really good content and things you're doing. And as you're talking, I was sitting here because I knew that the, the main podcast was over with. So now I can just kind of, you know, wing it, fling it, whatever. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, what time was it in my life when I felt closest to God to where things moved me to cry like we talked about earlier? It's the same thing that moved me to laugh. And I, and I would say it with this. You know, when I hit my own bottom in my life, and I've shared that story on here before, I sobbed for, for not just days, but months. Um, I, I stopped singing because I lost my voice. I cried so hard because it was a brokenness like I'd never had before. And you said God has a way of sending someone in our life, and he did that for me. And it took 10 years to really to walk me back to a really, really healthy place that I'd never known before like that, but that we was, well, I was taken back. Um, that brings me to tears. But the one that I couldn't order or, 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 or answer earlier about what makes me laugh, I found it. And it was sitting in a tree stand in Canada this last week or a couple of weeks ago. And I had the biggest bear of the week walk in front of me. And I thought for sure he was going to the bait right in front of me. And I was going to have it on film, you know, for my sponsorships and all those things in the hunting industry. And the bear stops. Now, my bow is up. I'm not drawn. And the bear just kind of looks at me and turns his butt to me and walks straight away. And I could have taken the shot for the moment, but I didn't take the shot. I thought, well, I know how to do this. I'll wait. Didn't see another bear the entire week, every day, all day on the stand. I step in a beehive, get stung multiple times by bees. It's the last night, and I'm thinking, man, I came all this way. You know, I got to have these stories, you know, all this stuff like I always bring back. And it was 10 minutes till dark, and I said, God, are you going to show up? Give me a story. And he said, I did. I said, what are you talking about? You gave me a story. I don't have some of these crazy things like I've done. He said, yeah, sometimes the best messages aren't in the crazy. And then his spirit spoke to mine like God does. I knew it was his voice. And he said, if I were to send you a bear in the last 10 minutes, like that first one you saw, who's the hero in the story? Mm -hmm. And he said, what I want you to walk away with is that first night, you had an opportunity to take a a once-in-a-lifetime bear, huge, massive bear, and you chose to wait. Guys, if you're sitting out there right now and you're more focused on your career and who you can become, how you can look, and you're waiting, like we talked about, to humble yourself before the maker of the universe, why would you do that? I mean, I I understand we we, we all have to, to learn and go through things, 
But sometimes, I guess my prayer would be that through a story, sometimes we can, we can look at someone else's mistakes and go, I want to learn from that. I think that's possible in some ways. I still think we have to go through our own stuff. But the reason that we exist, the reason why we are here, the reason we say we are the resistance is because we want to be real. We want to be able to be open and tell you about the mistakes we've made. But we want to, more than anything else, tell you the solution, the fix. And that's Jesus. It really is about receiving him as Lord and Savior. There is nothing you will do that is more important than that because now your real purpose, not the world's purposes, will be revealed and you can get back in the game. Guys, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.